So I was trying to think of a fantastic name for this series or this message for the next three weeks. And I think I got one. It's called uh, Christmas. I'm going to read Luke, the Christmas story. I didn't want to get stuck with the Christmas story and speaking on the things of Christmas right on that one Sunday. And so I just wanted to kind of start picking apart some of this story with us together earlier. And um, so if you have your Bibles, it's going to be on, on the screen as well. I want to start off with and read the passage that we find the Christmas story in. And even though it's sprinkled all over Scripture, the, in the New Testament, we basically have two primary places where the Christmas story is told, uh, which is Luke chapter 1 and 2 and Matthew chapter 1 and 2. And we'll be jumping around a little bit uh, this morning, but I wanted to start off with this because this is an account. All of this, these gospels, it's an account of the good news on display. It's the account of the word being manifested. The word becoming flesh, of God becoming human. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, we're going to read. It's going to be up on your screen, I believe. All right. Many have undertaken to, comply, uh, to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and and servants of the word handed them down to us. It also seemed good to me since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus. So that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. I love that Luke was not fully aware that his account of what happened would be part of what we read today. We sometimes think and feel like, the apostles went into the room and went into a trance and began to write down verbatim straight from heaven. But what Luke writes is basically saying many, many people have undertaken to compile this account. That means there was more than him. And I know we got three of the four, you know, four including Luke's account. But what's interesting about the word many is that it could have been more compilations of the things that, has, that Jesus has done. Now we do read here that, that Jesus has done so many things that the, the books, there wouldn't be enough paper and things to write all the things that Jesus began to do. And I think it's really interesting because we're not just thrown into this story where it's like, hey, guess what? Out of this blue, this guy named Jesus, did you know what he did? Sometimes we look at Christmas and look at Jesus as if he just showed up in the New Testament. 
right? He's just like, oh, here he is. He was born. And a lot of times we start with his birth. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus did not start at his birth. He just became man at his birth. Jesus did not have a start. He was always there. And so we are not talking about Jesus becoming man as if Jesus just showed up on earth. No, we're talking about Jesus who is God becoming man. This is what the focal point is. This is what the focus is. And it's also not something that has happened just out of the blue. It actually has been prophesied. It has been prophesied in the Old Testament about the things that would happen. And these prophecies are not just someone who prophesied a year before Jesus' birth or two years or ten years. There were prophecies about the birth of Jesus in the Old Testament hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Hundreds of years. Not even that, actually even thousands of years. The prophecy was so, so specific that no single person could just read the prophecies and fulfill it on their own. And I love that our story, that the good news that Luke is writing an account of is not just the good news that he came up with. It is actually even a new news that he's writing an account of. And so this good news was foretold by the prophets of ancients. And actually the first prophetic word that we read, and, there's, and I'm not going to read the, the scriptures for all these problems. I'm just going to run down the list of a few just so that we can get a grasp of what was prophesied. But I do want to zero in on the first one, which is found in Genesis chapter 3. As early as Genesis, the one that's, and the thing that's disputed is found in Genesis chapter 3 where it says that the Messiah would be born of a woman. And actually, if you, even more specifically, of a virgin woman. And what's interesting and, and how it comes to that in Genesis chapter 3, um, actually, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going I'm to read it. I think it's really, really profound because we miss some of these details because just from the get-go, God speaks a promise that seems impossible and actually apart from him is impossible and what we read is in chapter uh, 3 verse um, 15 the fall of man has happened and God shows up and begins to talk with Adam and Eve and specifically and he begins to talk to the serpent and there's this whole discord there and then in verse 15 he says and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And I'm not going to get into the full meaning of it but I just want to highlight specific that he says I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And what's interesting about that phraseology is that that is referencing the virgin birth because we all know that women don't have seed. Men have seed. Women have eggs. Is it too much? 
Merry Christmas. And so what's fascinating about this is that Jesus is not the son of Joseph. He's the son of Mary, the son of man, the son of God. And this is what the, when the, the whole story of Jesus begins to come and, and play into and begin to play out. This is what the Christmas story is about, that there is a virgin who will give birth, connecting it way to the beginning of the story. Sometimes we think that when things are out of control, that God is caught off guard. That somehow he did not see things coming. But I'm telling you, if God has set something in motion, nothing will deviate it from coming to pass. Nothing will deviate it. And through all these thousands of years, Satan has tried to destroy God's promise. And he did not wait for decades and decades and decades he's tried he started to trying to destroy God's promise from the beginning do you remember the story of Cain and Abel there's this promise and if you can even think of it never thought of Cain and Abel in this way but 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 the fact of, of why in the world did um did Abel kill Cain like, like of all the things that could have happened isn't it interesting that when the promise of a, of a son was given, Satan was already trying to kill that son. From the get-go, the offerings were, were set and God was disappointed with one and approved the other. And so Satan says, well, if God has approved this one, this maybe must be the promised one. I need to kill him. And so he, so he does. From the get-go, he begins to try to eliminate and undermine God's promises. But God will not be undermined, which is good, good news. So the Messiah will be born of a woman. He'll be born in Bethlehem, specific place. Messiah will be born of a virgin. Messiah would come from the line of Abraham. The Messiah would be a descendant of Isaac. He would be a descendant of Jacob. He would come from the tribe of Judah. All of these things the Messiah could not control. A person who just wanted to fulfill a set of prophecies could not fulfill these by choice. Messiah would be called Emmanuel. Messiah's throne will be anointed and eternal. The Messiah would be an heir to King's, King David's throne. There will be a massacre of children that would happen at the Messiah's birth. You have all of these hundreds of prophecies that have been prophesied hundreds and thousands of years before the birth of Jesus. Just to tell us that God is in the details and what he has promised. He will make sure it comes to pass. And I think it's beautiful because Jesus did not just show up from heaven and surprised us. The prophets and the people of God in the Old Testament, we're longing and waiting and looking for the promise. They were looking for it because they had it written down. God told them and they believed him and they were looking for it. And so 
The good news is that it's not just a surprise good news. The good news is that it, the good news was foretold by the prophets. This is important to write down. And Matthew writes down the genealogy, right? The chapter that we all skip, chapter one, the begots. I think that's so an amazing part of scripture because we don't fully understand the lineage that Jesus came out from, out of and what that really meant. And so I'm going to get into that next week. Trust me, it won't be boring. I know you guys are like, oh, no. No, no, it's not going to be like that. But it's a powerful reminder of how God's promises and the people that God works with and uses to accomplish his promises is amazing. And I can't get into it anymore. But anyway, so the, the, the second thing is that the good news was announced. It was not just foretold and prophesied. It was then also announced by angels. And so this is where we come uh, later on in Luke chapter 1. We read uh, verse 11 through 17. It's going to be up on your screen again. It says this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And this is uh, the angel announces this coming of the Messiah to Zech, uh, uh, Zecharias. Do you have it up on the screen? Luke chapter 1, verses 11. Okay, I'll just, yeah. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing in the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was, tr uh, uh, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And I know you're like, this is not about Jesus. No, this is about John, because John was also prophesied. And this is part of the prophecy of, 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 the, of the Messiah. Verse 14, there will be joy and delight for you and, and, uh, for you and many will rejoice at his birth. And it keeps going, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. One more verse. And he will go before him, meaning before Jesus, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous. So you have an angel appears to Zacharias about a kid named John who's actually going to come right before and pave the way for Jesus. And then Luke chapter 1 verse 26, we read that an angel appears to Mary. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? 
The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Luke chapter 2 verse 9. Then the angel announces this good news to the shepherds. I'm going to read this. Once he gets up on the screen, then the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born to you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts and the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told by this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned and glorified and praising God for all the things he had, they had seen and heard, which they were just as they had been told. See, the prophecy. Just as it has been told. Couple more passages because I think this is really important announcing of this Messiah. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly decided to, to divorce to divorce her. See I can't say that word because that's not in my heart. Okay decided to divorce her secretly but after he had considered these things an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit she will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins now look at all, now, now all this took place to fulfill, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him, he married her but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. And then the last I want to read is Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 where the good news was announced by the angels to Zacharias, to Mary, to shepherds, to Joseph and now to 
the wise men, the, the magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. And then verse 9 through 12, there's this whole story that we'll get into in the weeks to come. But the story continues. After hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. This is really interesting, talking about the angels announcing the good news, right? Or what's this? It, the star has led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they then were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their own country by another route. So we see this amazing connection. Do you guys see this connection? It's so, so powerful because I think we see the nativity scene and we miss all the details behind it. That this good news, the birth of Jesus, was foretold by the prophets. It wasn't just foretold by the prophets. It was also announced by the angels. But it wouldn't be God if he just left it on the surface level like that. Because... As we've read Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 through 23, the third point that I want to make is that, that the good news was also experienced by the whosoevers. And this is where the tangibility of God is on display. We read in verse 23 in Matthew 1, and we already read it, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. God with us. And I dare to ask the question is, to ask the question, is God with you? Is God with you on an experiential level? Relationship is not just content and knowing things about people and things. It's not just about being excited about something. Relationship is about experience. And it's something that you cannot fake or hide. Like, you can pretend to be in a relationship with somebody. But you and they, you know that there's not much there. You can pretend to be in a good place with your spouse. And everyone may be deceived and be like, whoa, they're so happy. Wow, cute. But you and her know. You and him know that you're barely hanging on. That the relationship aspect of it is either not there or is hanging on by a thread. So the invitation and for God 
to be able to save and redeem humanity, he had to relate with us. And in order for him to relate with us, he had to become a human. He had to become one of us so that we don't say, okay, God, it's easy for you up there somewhere. But what about me? You don't understand. How many times have we said this? You don't understand. You don't get it. We tell our friends or family, you don't get it. I'm unique. What's happening to me? You don't get it. And we project it onto God. God, you don't get it. And yeah, I know you get it, but, but you're God. So it's not a big deal for you, but you don't get it, God. You don't really get it. And God's like, what do you think Emmanuel is? God with us. God relates to our suffering. God relates to rejection. God relates to the things that we go through. Because he not only is with us, he also was with us. And not only that, he also will be with us. He's got it all covered. He's got your past covered. He has your present covered. And he has your future covered. This is a powerful, powerful statement. God with us in the time where it was unthinkable, unfathomable for God to make contact with the filth of humanity. Gods would not steep down to humankind is what was believed. And Jesus took a form, became one of us. So God is not only with us through the birth of Jesus. God is also in us. John 14, we, we read that, that Jesus is saying that he will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom you and the world, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he will dwell with you and be in you. It's experiential. Come, taste, see, walk with me, see that God is real. It's not just the knowledge of truth. It is good news. And it's not just a head knowledge of good news, but the good news can be experienced in your everyday. So God is not just with us through Jesus. He's also in us by the Holy Spirit. And not only that, he then begins to work through us, puts the Father's heart on display. And this is how we connect with humanity, God working through us. Ephesians, we read that, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a powerful, powerful truth that this good news that we celebrate was prophesied from the beginning. It was announced. And it's meant to be experienced. And God has made it all possible. And so it just boggles my mind while we continue to live life on our own it boggles my mind why we rely on ourselves more than we would rely on God 
it boggles our my, my mind how we carry such heavy burdens and yet we have a way of unloading them at the feet of Jesus. He made a way, but he will not force you to walk with him. He will not force you. So the Christmas story is far richer than what we can experience through the busyness of shopping and Christmas trees and food and food and more food. It's far richer than that. And I think in the, in the hustle and bustle of life, we tend to forget what God did, what God had to go through, what God had to take his people through in order for Jesus to actually step foot on this earth. And how many times the devil had tried to come and destroy his plan and his promise. Over and over and over and over. If you begin to read through it, he, that, that was his aim is to destroy the promise of God. And he tried and he tried and he tried and he tried. And we read that he failed miserably. He failed miserably. And so Luke is writing. I'm going to give you an account, Theophilus. And I'm not the only one who's recording an account. There have been many. And I'm not just theorizing here. I have went in and I have dissected it. I didn't just gaze, it, gaze at it and said, oh, well, this is neat. No, he says that he went in and he investigated all of these things. And it wasn't like, hey, my friend's dad's brother's sister said that, you know, Trump's going to be the president or something like that. This is eyewitnesses. Means that you can collab or collaborate with people who were there. And I love how it's all put together from the past to the present when Luke was writing where it's all connected and yet we in the 21st century think that God's promises somehow in the 21st century will be stolen from us by the same devil who's been trying to steal his other promises. That God preserved his word and was faithful to his word and to his promise but now when he says something to me yeah so all of a sudden Satan become a little bit stronger than he was give me a break give me a break the same God who made the promises and who made sure they came to pass is the same God who's given you and extended those promises to me and you and he will make sure that they come to pass he will doesn't matter how you feel he will and so to kick things off this year 
give you a little bit of a back, back, background story of, of, of this Christmas thing, and we'll get into details in the next couple of weeks. But, but I think it's just powerful truth, as, as I just wrap up here this morning. The band comes up. We're going to do one, one more song. I think it's amazing because God made himself available and tangible. That's what the Christmas story is. God's availability and his tangibility with us humans. The question is not whether God is with us. He is with us. The question is, are you aware that God is with you? Are you aware of God moving? He didn't become tangible and available and a human because he had to. He came because he wanted to. He did not redeem the angels. He kicked them out. With humans, he said, no, I won't kick them out. I will, I will redeem them. He spoke creation into existence. But he had to bleed to redeem that same creation. In order for him to bleed, he had to become one of us. Tangible. Available. The Christmas story reminds us that we serve a God of possibility. whole Christmas story is a story how God shows up supernaturally and disrupts the natural and for some reason we accept that for times past we accept that for other people but we have a hard time accepting that for ourselves God has not stopped being supernatural. God continues to disrupt the natural. He continues to disrupt your dead ends, your roadblocks. And not only that, this last part is that God wants to launch us into his mission you see before you and I accepted him and gave our lives to him we were his mission which is why he came to earth we were his mission but now that we have given our lives to him his mission becomes our mission this is why we need to reach our people. This is why we need to live a life that attracts people who are broken to say, what's so different about you? And then you can tell them all year long, 
Christmas. Christmas. You have the freedom to use the word Christmas all year. Because that is when God put himself on display and said, look what I can do among you, with you, and more importantly, through you. It's Christmas, the best time of the year. The good news of Jesus against all the odds, the underdog. And if you knew his lineage, a real underdog showing up, bleeding to redeem you and me, dealing with our sin, dealing with our issues, walking with us, and has a desire to launch us. So Father, He loves you. He loves you so much, and I spoke on this last week, but I just want to remind each one, He loves us so much that He sent Jesus. This is what 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you're in Him, you won't perish. The things of this world will perish, you won't perish. Merry Christmas.